Listen, there has never been a better time to invest in self-storage and there is no better team than ours to show you how to do it because we wrote the book on how to invest in self-storage. Literally, I created the best-selling home study system back in 2007 titled How to Find, Evaluate, Purchase, and Manage Self-Storage Facilities. And since then, we have helped thousands of people launch and scale their self-storage business and have now become the nation's go-to resource for all things self-storage. And that's because we not only talk the talk, we walk the walk day in and day out since 2005 through now two recessions and amassing a 2. 5 million square feet of self-storage, totaling over 15,000 doors nationwide. There is nobody else that has more experience in self-storage that is teaching people how to invest in self-storage than our team. So if you're ready to launch and scale your self-storage business, then go to selfstorageinvesting.com. Click on the events tab to grab your ticket to the upcoming self-storage academy, along with tickets to our virtual academy for those who can't make it or just aren't ready to go live at this time. So that again is selfstorageinvesting.com. Click on the event tab, but do it now as seating is limited. So go do it now. And on behalf of my team, we look forward forward to seeing you then. Take care. This is the Self Storage Podcast, where we share the knowledge and skills from the industry's leading investors, developers, and operators to help you launch and grow your self-storage business. I'm your host, Scott Myers, and over the past 16 years, we have acquired, developed, converted, and syndicated over 2 million square feet of self-storage nationwide with the help of my incredible team at selfstorageinvesting.com, who has helped thousands of people achieve greatness in self-storage. Hello, everyone. Scott Myers here with the Self Storage Up Podcast, recording once again live from the Inside Self Storage World Expo. And we have with us right now, we have Paul Fiorilla with Yardy Matrix. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, Paul, if you would uh, tell us a little bit about your background and your history and how you got into self-storage. Well, I've been in the commercial real estate market for more than a quarter century now. I got into the industry in 1996, writing for a publication called Commercial Mortgage Alert. We covered the CMBS and the financing of properties and in 2008, I joined Prudential Real Estate Investors in the research group mm-hmm. where I was responsible for their outlooks, quarterly outlooks and white papers and things like that. And then Yardy now for a little more than seven years where I'm director of research and I oversee the research publications. Yardy publishes a wide range of national and metro outlooks and multifamily, self-storage, office and industrial And we write white papers about all those property types, about real estate investment trends and trends in demographics and economic trends that impact real estate. There's a lot of interesting things happening. Mm -hmm. Well, my introduction to Yardi came by way of the multifamily community. I was back in uh, multifamily years ago before I got into self-storage. And back then, they were the 800-pound gorilla in a great way. I mean, you guys had the data sources. Any kind of piece of data that we wanted in a multifamily, it was there. And so then when I made the shift into self-storage, I was happy to see here at this show that all of a sudden, a large booth that Yardy was now coming into self-storage. And so thankful for that. Thankful for the data. Not only, I mean, even your free reports that you send out to folks is fantastic, but we've had an opportunity to use the RD Matrix. The product itself helped us to make so many great underwriting decisions and just looking at trends and helping us on the investment side. So speak to us a little bit about Yardy Matrix and what an investor, whether it be a developer or somebody looking to buy existing facilities, tell us about that resource and how they can utilize that to make better buying decisions or development decisions. Yeah, thanks. So yes, Yardy has been the biggest provider of software and data and multifamily for a while now and we got into the self-storage sector five years ago and we have a database in of self-storage of 32,000 self-storage properties which includes 28,000 pleated facilities operating facilities 
and about 4,000 properties that are in the development pipeline, including 726 that are under construction right now. So Yardi is the leading provider of self-storage data. And anybody that's looking to buy or sell properties or you know, to transact or operate in this arena, our data is valuable to be able to underwrite transactions, to look at market data, demographic, economic data. It's pretty hard to do transactions to invest these days or buy or sell without having a good understanding of investment trends, property performance, relative market to market, from property to property, sub-market. And you can get all that from Matrix. Where, mm-hmm. You know, I was at our booth yesterday and somebody, I'm from New Jersey, and there was, you know, some other investors from New Jersey looking mm-hmm. at you know, one of their properties. The property was in Florida, mm-hmm. but they were looking at one of their properties like, well, how do you get all that information? Like, mm-hmm. how do you know all that? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny. You know, it's, there's just a tremendous amount of detailed information in mm-hmm. Matrix. And then combine that with our software products, uh, Yardi is a very important tool in self-storage arena. Mm-hmm. So one of the conversations that you and I had yesterday was regarding, we talk about all the areas that you focus on. There's demographic data, square footage, index, supply index, market level data. But one of the pieces that I thought was very interesting is really the investment trends that you just mentioned. And so looking into a market and looking at the trending of people that are investing in the market and deals that are transacting. You know, that's a different level that we don't find most places. So can you speak a little bit about that yeah, and how you, you go about you know, getting that data? You talked about your, webinar, your uh, presentation yesterday, talked about some of this, but self-storage is really growing up. And self-storage mm-hmm. is trending from being kind of an afterthought, a small niche sector to being a much larger niche sector that is attracting a lot of institutional capital, mm-hmm. big name, the Blackstones of the world. Mm-hmm are buying billions of dollars of self-storage. So in 2021, we tracked more than, I think, $12 billion of self-storage transactions, which is more than double the previous record Mm -hmm. for self-storage transactions. And why is that? Well, first of all, there's a lot of investors that want to put capital into commercial real estate in general, right? So when you look at commercial real estate relative to bonds, other fixed income products or stocks or infrastructure or whatever else that they have to invest in. Mm-hmm. Commercial real estate looks pretty good right now because mm-hmm. it generates regular dividends and mm-hmm. it's got good appreciation and the fundamentals, which we talk about later, but you know mm-hmm. the fundamental outlook is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So that creates the demand for commercial real estate. Now, At the same time, the most sought after major sectors of commercial real estate would be multifamily and industrial Mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. They're really flooded with capital. Mm -hmm. So if you want to buy multifamily or industrial, you've got a lot of competition. You know, you could have, if you bid on a property, you could be bidding with dozens of other investors. Mm -hmm. And that's driven down the acquisition yields, the cap rates, you know, want to call them, that's driven them down to record lows. So that has prompted these institutions to say, hey, let's look at some other things where we've got a better chance of winning the bid, where we can get higher yields. Mm -hmm. And that has been to the benefit of a wide range of the niche sectors like self-storage, like Mm -hmm. medical office or data centers. There's a number of those kind of investment sectors that have grown tremendously. Mm -hmm. And self-storage, because it's performed really well, has been a target of a lot of these investors. Now, 
when big institutions invest in real estate, they're not looking to buy small facilities because mm-hmm. they've got billions and many billions of dollars to invest. They can't invest that $10 million at a time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they tend to look for big portfolios. Mm-hmm. And again, you were talking about this in your presentation yesterday. There's a number of billion dollar plus transactions that we've seen take place over the last year. Mm-hmm. And that's not just one-off thing, because once the sector is now institutionalized, I think that creates kind of a momentum and kind of a change Agreed. in the market, mm-hmm. because now you have a different mentality in the market that I think we're going to see the storage sector grow and develop in coming years. Mm-hmm. So I see the data that we have when we look at as, say, an individual investor or our firm when we're looking to add a property, that data set that we use to make a buying decision is a little more limited than what you would look at from an investment decision. So when we're putting our our projects out there, or we've also started a fund, the investors that are looking to invest capital into self-storage or into a fund, they're looking at a bigger data set. So they do want to see those investment trends. They do want to see some projections further out. And they don't want to just look at projections of these individual facilities. They want to know where the industry is heading. They want to see demographically, where is everybody moving to? They're moving to the Southeast or they're moving to Texas. You know, where are the trends from a geographic standpoint? So those types of data that Yardi is providing is now proven to be more beneficial for us as we continue to go out and raise more capital. And I would imagine, just as you said, some of the, these funds that have been created that are coming in, they want a wider data set to be able to make these investment decisions. Wait, when you talk about migration, that's something that we've been tracking for years. I did a paper a few years ago, which illustrated that parts of the country, the Southeast, the Southwest, have been growing faster. Mm-hmm. Places like Austin, Phoenix, <laughs> places in Florida, metros in Florida, have growing faster than the nation as a whole for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. That didn't start during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. The pandemic, however, did exacerbate it mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the work from home trend, people aren't connected directly to their offices anymore. People in some industry, not all, there's some kind of jobs, obviously, where you have to be there in person. There's some jobs where you have to be there part-time, and that's driven more growth from inner downtown urban areas to suburbs. And then you also have another group of people that have moved to entirely new metros and the biggest beneficiaries of that migration over the last couple of years has been Florida, Texas, and Arizona. Mm -hmm. So there was a net outflow of 350,000 people between from New York in, from July 2020 to July 2021, mm-hmm. and California had a, an outflow, I forget the exact number, something like 200,000. And the, the big inflows came from, mostly, they came from a lot of the, the southern states, but Florida and Texas. And so you have people that are moving somewhere where weather is warmer, the lifestyle is to their choosing, and they have cheaper prices, although that's kind of uh, the prices of housing mm-hmm. in Florida and Texas are going up, but you've had that movement. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions is how much one of the, we have to try and figure out is, you know, how much that's going to continue. One of the interesting things about the migration is on the multifamily side, you look at it and the gateway markets like New York, Chicago, Bay Area have recovered, despite the fact that people are still not going back mm-hmm. to the office. Mm-hmm. They've recovered a lot of their apartment occupancy. Mm-hmm. So clearly, it's not an either or. 
clearly, I think you can make the case that Southeast, the Southwest, the Mountain West, those kind of places will continue to grow faster. That doesn't mean, however, that the gateway markets are, there are still plenty of people, I think, primarily, you know, moving to the younger people in the beginning of their career who want to move there to be around other young people, to have fun that you can have in mm-hmm. the big markets. So clearly, we look at it on the self-storage data side, the biggest, the fastest growth in rents in the last year, year and a half, starting in the middle of 2020 through the middle of 2021, the self-storage saw record growth. And a lot mm-hmm. of that was driven by the Sunbelt, the, the mm-hmm. secondary markets. Mm-hmm. You know, and our, we just released our most recent monthly rent update, which you can find by you know going on our website, yardymatrix.com slash publications. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Miami, Atlanta, Charleston, South Carolina, Tampa, Phoenix, Orlando, Houston, those are the leaders in self-storage rent growth. And the gateway markets, Boston, Philly, New York, San Francisco, San Jose, Washington, Mm -hmm. you know, they were near the bottom. Now, growth is positive in almost all the markets. So one of the interesting trends is that we look at is, and you hear people talking about it at conferences like this, there's a wide variance in penetration in self-storage between markets. And and this is unique to self-storage because Mm -hmm. of the way the industry developed. You don't see this in multifamily or office, but Mm -hmm. there's a huge variation in the amount of net square feet per person, per capita, Mm -hmm. in self-storage. And intuitively, you'd think, wow, the markets that are more saturated would have weaker rent growth. Mm -hmm. But that's not what we're seeing. What we're seeing is markets that I just mentioned where we have the fastest growth. Most of those are among the most saturated in terms of square foot per person. Mm -hmm. So we and, and in turn, you know, development pipeline also tends to be fairly robust in those mm-hmm. uh, metros as well. So that leads us to conclude that the biggest factors that control rent growth, that govern rent growth, are the demand. So the four Ds, which I think is primarily, you know, the biggest one would be people moving in and out sure. of the market. Because, mm-hmm. you know, people moving one way or another that creates a need for storage, mm-hmm. death and divorce and, mm-hmm. and other displacement. Mm-hmm. So the markets, there's very high demand in the markets that are highly penetrated. Yeah. And that's because those are the markets showing strongest growth in household formation and movement and migration. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that we'll continue to see that. I mean, I think that clearly the pandemic effect will eventually fade and at some point, people will return to their offices. But at the same time, I think it's also very clear that we're going to see a lot more growth in the Southeast, the Southwest for a very long time. Yeah. And I think yeah. that is good news. Or that's I think that drives some of the investment decisions in the, the storage sector. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Paul, I want to thank you for your time. And I know that you've got a, a lot to do and uh, getting uh, back uh, to your booth as well. But what's that? I was going to say, what, do I have... Can I of have course. Two more minutes? Absolutely. So just what we were talking about investment trends, I think it's interesting, and we talked about this yesterday too. Right now, cap rates, acquisition yields are at historical lows. And at mm-hmm. the same time, we, we're in a period of rising interest rates. Mm-hmm. And so if you are buying properties at four or five percent, and now you know mortgage rates are going up to four or five percent. And probably sell storage. In some cases, it might even be up to 6%, depending on the property and the borrower. 
we're I think we're we're hitting a very interesting time in our market mm-hmm. where investors have to start thinking about pricing. And we did studies about cap rates and interest rates when I was at Prudential years ago. And the biggest governing factor seemed to be investors' perception of future cash flow. Mm-hmm. So cap rates were tight when investors, it wasn't necessarily like a one-to-one, or definitely it's not a one-to-one correlation yeah. with interest rates. But yeah. when investors are confident that there's going to be growth in mm-hmm. income, they're willing to accept a tighter premium over mm-hmm. the, the risk-free rate. And well, going back to the financial crisis, well, that turned out to be a bad decision because yep. people underwrote cash flow that mm-hmm. didn't materialize. Mm-hmm. Now, in this cycle, we don't see the kind of aggressive lending that we saw in 2007. Right. So generally speaking, we're not seeing like 90, 95% LTV loans, mm-hmm. but we are seeing a lot of optimism priced into these deals mm-hmm. on cash flow. Yep. And, you know, we expect self-storage rents to continue to grow, but not at the rate of 2021, right? So, you know, the 10%, 12% growth was historically high levels. We expect that to moderate in coming years. So I think it's important that people in the market that are investing, that they kind of keep that in mind and, and make sure that they're not over leveraged, that they're not pricing in unreasonably high growth expectations mm-hmm. going forward because we're definitely hitting a period interest rates are probably going to continue to rise inflation is high the fed's going to keep raising rates so i think it's a tricky period and investors have to take care with what they're doing mm-hmm. going forward it's just mm-hmm. not you know like a, a party we're just not having like a party going forward and mm-hmm. you can underwrite unlimited growth so mm-hmm. anyway yeah I appreciate that, Paul. And uh, obviously, a lot to consider when making an investment decision. And the Arnie Matrix is uh, one of those tools that uh, somebody absolutely has to have in their arsenal, in my opinion. So tell us the best way to get in touch with you and or Yardy Matrix to find out more. Yeah, well, you can go on the yardymatrix.com website. If anybody was here, we have a booth here today. The research is yardymatrix.com slash publications. Mm-hmm. And you could go read any of the, the publications and kind there's contact information on those. There's contact information on yardymatrix.com. My personal email is paul.fiorilla at yardy.com. So you can mm-hmm. email me there and I'm happy to respond. Perfect. All right. Paul, thanks so much for your time. Right, Appreciate it. You. it Enjoy great. the rest of your show. All right. Take care. Hey, gang, wait three things before you leave. First, don't forget to subscribe to the Self Storage Podcast and turn on your notifications so you never miss another episode. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review if you like the show. Second, be sure to share your favorite episodes and more via Instagram, and don't forget to tag us. And lastly, head to the links in the show description and hit the follow and subscribe button on Twitter and Facebook to get a front row seat as we grow and scale our business and bring you along with us. Take care.